1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. My name is Nick. Today, we're going to Vegas.
0: This is something I've always loved to do, and I I don't really think that I ever thought it was in my grasp to do until just these little things started coming across my path, and I started to gain more and more confidence. I think that people do definitely get a little bit bitten by the, the, the fame bug. I think that you have a lot of people that want to be famous as opposed to wanting to just be in this arena somehow or in this industry somehow
2: yeah I mean it's a good time until you know you look at your bank account the next day or you realize the person you were actually buying the shop for goes home with your best friend it's 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 a long story it's a it's a long story
1: are people in Detroit upset at Steve Perry about this
2: I mean it's 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 a well-known thing if Steve Perry was to walk into Detroit, he would probably get mugged and get the shit kicked out of him.
1: So I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I've been to Vegas, let's say, five times in my life. And every time I've been there, I've always found myself fascinated by the idea of what it's like to work there, specifically for the entertainers that you see. Is it just non-stop party, they love working there, or are they just sick of it? At the very least, you know they've got some really good stories. So our first guest on the podcast is Crystal Goddard. She's a singer. She performs at a lot of the different casinos. You've probably heard her and just not really realized it. And she has this remarkable story of not only how this was something that she never thought that she was going to be doing, but also how she was at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival when the mass shooting in 2017 happened. And that has really inspired her to pursue another dream of hers. How did you get started in this?
0: Well, I was in choir all through elementary school. I started piano lessons when I was around eight years old. I was always super shy, so I was like an alto in the choir. I never did any solos or... um, tried to do anything like that. And then once I graduated high school, um, I had a girlfriend that I went to high school with named Jennifer Tad that was auditioning to do the national anthem for our minor league baseball team and invited me along. So um, I went and auditioned for that. And then we both ended up getting a spot for that. That was my first kind of exposure to doing anything solo. From Wichita. I moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and I started to pursue a little bit of singing there. I started entering some different contests. I was on a televised contest called "Harris Lucky Break through the casinos. Um, I did really well on that. Um, and then after that, I kind of ended up in Vegas by chance. My boyfriend at the time got a really good job out here that we just couldn't turn down. And so we moved out here for that. And then I just... Kind of figured, while I'm out here, I might as well try and see what I can make happen with my music. Started kind of small. I auditioned for this, like, karaoke contest. It wasn't even, like, a legitimate, like, singing contest. It was, like, a karaoke thing. And I won my category in that. And then from there, I got a job bartending at this place called Don't Tell Mama. It's a New York-style cabaret down on Fremont Street. Where you can't work there unless you are a singer. So I was bartending for people, and then I would go up and I would sing with a live pianist and I would take requests from the audience. And that was kind of where I learned how to work on things like my stage presence and learning how to sing songs I didn't really know and learning how to kind of go off the cuff. So that really taught me a lot. I had customers that would come in and people would kind of get to know me, so I got offered a lead singing gig for a country band through that, and then everything kind of snowballed from there.
1: When you were growing up, though, was this ever something that you thought, like, if this would happen, maybe I could do this? Or did you really just kind of walk into it?
0: You know, I think as a little girl, I always, I mean, I remember singing on my karaoke machine on my fireplace back when Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey were two of the top leading female singers, and I remember always wanting to do that and that being a huge passion of mine but I don't think that I ever really throughout my young life or my schooling ever thought that that's something that I would be able to make happen so it wasn't really something I went too hard after like it just kind of it just kind of worked out I mean there's obviously you have to be a certain amount of talented to be able to do it I think a lot of it is luck and timing and being in the right place and I guess maybe I was in the right place at the right time for some of the stuff that I've been able to do.
1: What were you kind of initially pursuing? Like, how come you didn't think that this was the path that you would take?
0: That's a good question. I think I changed my mind several times when I was younger about what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher at one point. I've been in food and beverage my whole life. My first job was Pizza Hut in Derby, Kansas when I was 15. And it's just something I've always done. And then the whole this whole thing happened where I just started getting booked for you know, multiple things that required me to sing and just kind of ran with it, I guess.
1: How often will you perform like a week?
0: Um, Actually just got offered a lead gig with a country band called Whiskey Maiden. They work about 45 weeks a year. I'm starting with them the first weekend in February and we'll be performing almost every single weekend. So um, for the next 40 some weeks this year, I'll be with them. Um, February, I'll be in Flagstaff. I'll be in... California and then I do a run here in Las Vegas at Toby Keith's at the Harrah's Casino and then also at the Eastside Cannery so I'll be performing three to five days a week for the next foreseeable future
1: I would imagine that's kind of hard on your voice
0: it can be if you don't take care of it
1: what is it basically like for somebody who's performing a lot in Vegas I mean people obviously have some preconceived notions about that is it kind of a, just a wild time all the time, or do you get used to it?
0: A wild time. Uh, thats It's funny that you ask that. I am the opposite of a wild time. Um, when I'm not performing, I'm at home hanging out. I don't spend a whole lot of time on the strip. So I think it really just depends what project you're involved with and what your personal lifestyle is. I think it is kind of whatever you make it. Um, I'll go out and do my gig and maybe hang out for a little bit and then come home and do my normal stuff.
1: Is there necessarily, I mean, for people who are performing in that area at that kind of a level, is there, like, the dream that you have necessarily? Like, are you in this kind of arena at this point, or are you trying to get somewhere else?
0: I think a lot of times in this day and age people think, you know, you have to be on American Idol or you have to be on one of the reality television shows in order to quote-unquote make it. Um, I feel as if I'm doing something that I really love to do and making a good living doing it. I don't necessarily have any aspirations to be on television or in magazines or anything like that. I don't. I think that fame and just being able to do something like this for a living are, are don't necessarily have to go hand in hand. Um, so as far as my personal goals with it, I think I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing for the time being. I do keep trying to get better at what I'm doing and take the next step up for myself whenever I feel I need to do that. But I don't have like an end goal of, you know, this is where I have to be in a certain amount of time. Um, I think my main goal, I just wrote and performed my very first original piece of music. Um, So I would like to continue doing that. I've started writing a little bit more. Um, I've got some people that I'm working with here in Vegas that are helping me produce these songs. And I would like to be able to release like a song EP sometime this year so that's one of my own personal goals.
1: Do you think that most people who are performing, like in Vegas and similar situations, are they shooting for the stars, so to speak, or are they more just like, "This is what I like to be doing. This is what I this is what I like to do. I'm completely happy where I am."
0: Oh, I think there's probably a little bit of both. Um, I think this day and age, with the the advent of social media and being connected to people all over the world, I think I think that people do definitely get a little bit bitten by the. The, the fame bug, I think that you have a lot of people that want to be famous as opposed to wanting to just be in this arena somehow or in this industry somehow.
1: When you were kind of performing some of the stuff that you had actually written, was that really nerve-wracking? It Was that?
0: It is really nerve-wracking. It was um, at a composer showcase. We have one once a month here in Vegas. It's at the Smith Center, which is an absolutely beautiful place to perform. It's got an amazing sound system, but you're also surrounded by a lot of your peers. It's a lot of people in Vegas that are writing their own music, producing, composing their own music, and it's a place where we can all go as artists and sing things that we've written and things that are personal to us. Um, So in that aspect, it's a little nerve-wracking because you're surrounded by, you know, people have been doing this for years who write music all the time, and for me, that was my first attempt, so that was a little scary for me, but my story um, also made it really kind of intimate for me. I was involved in the shooting the Route 91 shooting last october and that was what my song was written in reference to so that was also like made it a little bit more personal for me but i think anytime you're putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable um, with stuff like that it's a little bit scary
1: in terms of that shooting you were you were were you performing at that or were you just happened you just happened to I be was there not.
0: i was just there as a guest with um one of my girlfriends, we just happened to be there that weekend.
1: When did you realize what was happening? What was that like?
0: I think it took everyone a couple of minutes um, to kind of realize that the, your first thought is, oh, there's fireworks or, oh, there's some, there's some kind of sound technicality or something like that. Um, but once you realize that they turned the, the lights on the stage off and people kind of started panicking, I think that's when it kind of sinks in that something is actually wrong.
1: Did everyone just start running?
0: Yeah, um, some people did and some people didn't. I mean, we're at a music festival. It's Sunday. It's been going on all weekend. People have been drinking. So I think some people knew immediately what was going on and tried to, to run or to hide or to figure out what to do. And then some people, I think it took them a while to realize what was actually happening and didn't take it as seriously as other people did because they just couldn't believe that that would be happening.
1: How often do you think about that?
0: Honestly, not super often anymore. Um, I got really, really lucky. My roommate and I, we were able to take cover under a table. Um, Neither one of us were injured. Um, Definitely a terrifying experience, and we did have some people around us that were hurt. Um, But her and I got out okay. So um, I don't know. I think that a lot of, I don't want to say good things came out of it, but I feel like I've taken a lot of what I dealt with with that. And put it into writing music, which is something I've always wanted to do and never really took that leap. So I've tried to use it in the best way possible. Um, it's just kind of a part of something that I went through that gives you a little bit new perspective on things.
1: In terms of, let's switch to a happier topic. Sure. From performing in, in <laughs> Vegas in different places, what is the strangest thing that you've ever seen somebody like in the audience do?
0: Oh, my goodness. People like to take their clothes off here. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have seen seen people take off articles of clothing in the audience. I are that's we, a good question. I would are, have to really think about it.
1: Are we talking top and bottom, or just top? And are we talking I have men seen and women? Guys or just...
0: drop their pants just for the fun of it. I have seen people get up and dance on tables. I have seen people try and do handstands on the dance floor. I mean. People come to Vegas to get crazy, so we see a lot of that.
1: Are you kind of... Are people who live there and work in that industry, though, are you guys kind of over it? <laughs>
0: um, no. I mean, I think if being a part of this business, you come to learn what it is that that entails. I mean, as performers, we're kind of there to make an impact on people and to make sure people have fun, and you want that's kind of the goal. So... Being in Vegas, we know that people kind of take it to extremes sometimes. Um, I would much rather people be being crazy and having fun sitting there, not really paying attention or not doing anything. So I love living in Las Vegas. I love Vegas as a city. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that I, I personally am, am over that or tired of that in any way. I just accept that it's kind of part of part of what this city is and what it means to people.
1: Being a woman in the industry... Is that? Do you feel like that that has changed over the years? Is that getting better? Is that getting worse? Is it really not any different than being a man?
0: I think that women in this industry definitely face a lot of you know, body image issues and expectations as far as what we should look like or how we should dress. As far as has it changed a whole lot, I've only been singing professionally in Las Vegas for about five or six years. I don't think I have enough experience to know whether or not it has changed a whole lot. But I I think that, I mean, I know a lot of, of very strong, beautiful female singers here in Vegas that, you know, go and do their job and don't really let it bother them to the point what other people are expecting. I think they go out and they do their thing and they, um, you know, showcase whatever their, their talent is. And if it's dressing like a, you know, like a Vegas superstar, then so be it. But um, I don't know. I try not to pay attention all that much to that I definitely have experienced some of it myself and I think that it still very much happens um, but I try to, t- to definitely not make that a
1: focus have you ever been pressured you know have you ever had somebody say well if you dress like this or if you look like this or if you move like this well of course
0: <laughs> um, yeah I mean I've had suggestions certainly about the things that I should wear or the way that I should present myself on stage um And, you know, in this, this industry that I've chosen, I understand that that's going to be something that is probably dissected or paid attention to. I typically will go on stage with whatever I'm comfortable in, but still be able to look the part. I mean, people are coming to Vegas and they're expecting to see a certain thing, depending on what band you're in or what venue you're playing. So you always kind of want to adhere to whatever that expectation is, um but i don't think i've ever experienced it to the point where i felt like i wasn't going to be able to do my job if i didn't adhere to someone else's suggestion of what i was supposed to wear
1: we were talking about how you used to you used to have a job where you would take requests was there any specific request that you were just incredibly sick of
0: <laughs> oh gosh me my personally i mean i worked at this piano bar and we get requests for things like piano man and and things like that all the time, and Don't Stop Believing. So you get a little tired of singing the same thing over and over, but it also kind of goes back to if that's what people want to hear and they have a good time and they're nice about it, then you want to give them what they want. But there, yeah, there are definitely songs you get asked to do a million times that you get kind of tired of doing.
1: I'm not going to lie to you. I almost hung up the phone when you started to bag on Don't start. Don't Stop Believing. <laughs>
0: i don't not love don't start believe or don't stop believing i do i definitely do and i sing it all the time and it's not even one that i really mind it's i find a lot of times like in the piano bars that's one that they're just like oh well you have to tip us to do it But but yeah i don't i don't there's nothing i really hate to sing i don't know there's there's things i love to sing but um i mean if someone wants to give me a request because it's a song that means something to them i'm happy to oblige no matter what it is
1: I used to work as a bartender and if somebody played Margaritaville on the jukebox, I would refuse <laughs> I just refuse to give them a drink.
0: <laughs> what if they tipped you a good amount? What if they gave you a lot of money for it? It had it? to be did, did like change your mind? it had
1: to be like twenty plus or it's just like no buddy. That's the eightieth time I've heard Margaritaville this year. I'm not <laughs> not doing it. Now the the band that you're going to be joining starting in February is that going to be the mm-hmm. new kind of touring experience? Is that going to be the first time you've done something like that?
0: This will be the most traveling that I've had the opportunity to do. So yeah, in a sense, yeah, we're going to be we'll be in North and South Dakota, Iowa, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Nevada, California, and Arizona. So I will be traveling around quite a bit. Um, And it'll be my first experience doing that. And that's something I really wanted to be able to do this year, um, was travel around. I wasn't sure how I was going to make that happen. Uh, And it just so happened that I was doing a show at the Sand Dollar here in Las Vegas, and I had a guy kind of stumble in and uh, stumble upon the show and stay and watch and then approach me afterwards and asked if I was willing to audition. Um, They had a position open in the band and wanted to fill it and hadn't found anyone yet. So
1: See, that's kind of interesting to me because I always thought that, like, if you were in a band, you had known those kids since grade school and you guys all played in the garage.
0: (laughs) I'm sure lots of bands start out that way. Um, But, you know, life happens and one thing or another happens, and then you lose a guitarist or you lose a lead singer, or there's a, you know, someone goes off and gets married and have kids and decides that that's maybe not the lifestyle for them anymore. So, um, you know, but this band has been together for five years, they have a great following. They're incredibly talented, really nice guys, and they they work a lot and they do a lot of the music that I really love to sing. So I'm looking forward to working with them, and I'm I'm. It's just kind of a happy accident that they stumbled across me.
1: In terms of singing that kind of music, is there a certain type of music that's harder to sing than other kinds? I know nothing about this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on your voice. Um, I've covered pretty much everything from top forty to rock and roll to country. Country is by far my favorite. I was born in Texas. I grew up in Kansas. It was a huge influence for me growing up. Um, I've covered in rock bands. I do. I like rock music. I don't love to sing it. It's not, it's a, it's a little more difficult because a lot of it is higher pitched and a little more gravelly and it can definitely wear on you. And it's, I love listening to it. I just don't love singing it. So yeah, I think it's a very individual thing.
1: For somebody who is looking to get into that this industry, what advice would you give to them or to your younger self?
0: Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I Like I said, this this is something I've always loved to do, and I, I don't really think that I ever thought it was in my grasp to do until just these little things started coming across my path, and I started to gain more and more confidence about it, and I started to believe that I could do it a little bit more over time. I would just say for anyone that has a desire to to do what I do or whatever it is that they do. I think the first step is just believing that you can do it and just working harder than everyone else to get it. I think it's just about the work you put in. There's a lot of talented people.
1: Was was there any ever any times where you thought like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go this. This is done.
0: Yeah, I think we all have that feeling at some point in our lives. Um, I wouldn't say I would have that feeling generally, but there have been maybe moments where it's either been a rough night or a rough show or you're just you're not feeling confident or your voice isn't cooperating or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe you're just having a bad day where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore because um, it can be taxing. Like, And I'm not an extrovert. It does take a lot out of me to perform and to put on a show. And you can always change your mind, you know? If it's not working out for you, you can always go do something else.
1: Okay, are you ready for the hard questions?
0: <laughs> yeah, those were the hard questions.
1: for For our listeners... <laughs> Crystal and I have kind of disguised this throughout this this interview, but we actually went to high school together, so here's the big that question. That is right. Okay.
0: What's the question?
1: Was I cool in high school?
0: <laughs> I remember you being cool, and I was very uncool in high school. I was definitely a nerd in high school, so to, I think you were cool, Nick.
1: See, but I think we both sat at like the cool table together.
0: I definitely had cool friends, and I I definitely hung out with the cool people, but I just don't think I was actually one of the cool people. I think I was maybe just cool enough to sit at the table.
1: See, but that's really honestly how I felt, too. Like, I didn't really feel (laughs) – I felt like I needed to sit sit at the ends of the cool table. Yeah. And it took me a long time before I could actually just walk up and sit down.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I ever got comfortable actually doing that. I don't think I ever gained any sort of, like coolness until way after high school and I, I still am not sure that I'm cool but I'm working on it.
1: Do you think that you could continue to do this I mean in terms of like five, ten years from now. Do you want to be 50 singing in, in, in casinos?
0: Well first of all let's just clarify that I'm not going to be 50 in 5 years. No. So. no. <laughs> um,
1: I think we're yeah, both at the know. age though I think we're both at the age though where we have to start lying about it.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I don't know. I'm kind of at a place in my life right now where I feel like if I'm having fun doing what I'm doing and it's fulfilling to me and I'm making a good living doing it, I don't think that there's really an age limit on that. And as far as like what someone may say about being a 50 year old lounge singer, I know a ton of really incredibly talented people that are lounge singers here in Vegas that are, you know, getting up there and they absolutely adore everything about their life. So if that's what you want to do, then go do that I think I think whatever makes you happy so yeah if in in 10 years if I'm happy doing this then I will continue to do it and the second that I decide it's not for me or that I'm not fulfilled anymore then I'll go and do something else and I think hopefully that's the mentality that everyone has is when something is not making you happy that you go and find something that is
1: I want to thank Crystal Goddard so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we've linked to her on our social media accounts. You can find us at Profoundly Pointless. where Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There you can find a full listing of all of the different events and all of the different concerts she's going to be performing at. There's a couple of things that she couldn't necessarily talk about just because they're going to start on February 1st. You can find out more information about that on her pages. Now let's go ahead and give John Shull a call. And I think I'm just not going to say a word.
2: Hello, Nicholas. Hello? I know you're there. It's going to be a pretty boring podcast if I just talk to myself for 40 minutes. Okay, well, and uh, that was this episode of Profoundly Pointless, and uh, we'll see you next week.
1: That's a good episode. <laughs>
2: best episode we've probably ever done.
1: Are you are you pretty good with money?
2: I said I'm a lot better now than when I was younger. I can tell you that.
1: But does that mean like were you good with it, or did you just kind of generally spend it? You, Do you save?
2: Uh, I would say now I'm like a 50-50 person. Uh, no, I, you know what? No, I, I need to give myself more credit. I'm more of a saver now than a spender for sure, but when I was younger, it was... Hardly any savings. I'll spend.
1: What do you think is the dumbest thing that you ever bought?
2: Oh man! Outside of my wedding ring. Oh, I'm hey-oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Taking
2: shots. Um, I, I, there were many a nights where where I was purchasing fifty to a hundred dollar shots. That those were probably the dumbest things I could have done because everyone knows that when you purchase that many drinks. You're just handing them out to people.
1: you were spending fifty to a hundred dollars worth of shots or you were buying one shot that was fifty dollars
2: multiple shots that were like uh, one dollar.
1: See, I don't think that's necessarily a big waste of money because that's a good time like you're having a good time
2: yeah I mean it's a good time until you know you look at your bank account the next day or you realize the person you were actually buying the shot for goes home with your best friend. It's 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 a long story. It's a it's a long story.
1: Have you ever bought a girl a drink and then watched her walk away?
2: Oh, of course, several times. Probably dozens of times.
1: Wow. What was that like for you? Were you crushed?
2: <laughs> no. N- never in that scene. Never in like the the bar scene. You have no time to get crushed because there's just another person just waiting for attention.
1: Do you remember when we used to go out and I would make random girls rate your attractiveness?
2: Of course I do. It, <laughs> it made me, it made the night. You randomly asking women uh, what they thought my attractive level was.
1: But okay, besides outside of alcohol though, what is the dumbest thing that you've ever bought?
2: You know, every time I go to IKEA and I buy a piece of furniture from there, I usually regret it.
1: I've never really but- heard of men just buying furniture randomly. Like, how much <laughs> furniture are you buying?
2: Well, when I first when I first got together with my now wife, my condo, the room I had in the my condo at the time, I didn't Don't have a whole
1: lot of Don't say condo. You didn't own a condo. I know where you were living. It was not a condo. You had, like, a fucking room and a shack.
2: I mean, but it was not a condo in
1: a condo complex. Not that way. I mean, technically, yes, but that's factually inaccurate. It wasn't really a no, condo. No, it's, fa- it's
2: factually accurate. You're just trying to downplay. Anyways, I didn't have a lot of furniture, uh, so, you know, I was trying to impress her, so I went out and I bought, like, a dresser and some other things from Ikea, only to come home. And I got the cheap-ass ones. Like, I knew in the back of my mind that I shouldn't have got the particle board ones. I should have got, like, the the more expensive ones that are actually made out of wood. Well, within, like, five days, the dresser just falls apart.
1: I feel like that was probably an assembly issue. Not necessarily. (laughs) I feel like that's probably workman's error. Because I bought IKEA furniture never to impress anyone, but because I had to have something besides two cinder blocks and a piece of wood for a coffee table, and it's lasted for years.
2: I mean, you know, I, I mean, I have bought plenty, plenty of, like, collectible items that I probably overpaid for that mean nothing to anybody else.
1: We talking yo-yos?
2: Uh, some yo-yos, baseball cards... Action figures, you know, things like that, that a uh, normal person would probably, you know, call me crazy for spending 60, 70 bucks on, but.
1: What's your best action figure? <laughs> um, well. If it's not you know, Macho it's, uh, Man, if it's not Macho Man Randy Savage, don't even bother telling us.
2: No, it is not a Macho Man figure. Sorry, bud.
1: Brutus the Barber Beefcake?
2: <laughs> no, but I, I'm impressed that you know two wrestlers.
1: Ravishing Rick Rude.
2: Wow. This is just going to be a whole episode of you going down, wrestlers, that you know.
1: Lex Luthor.
2: Uh, Luger. Luger.
1: Which one of these would you be more upset about? How would you feel if your significant other, in your case your wife, left you for another person and that person was of the same sex? Would you be more upset if your significant other left you for someone of the same sex or someone of a different sex?
2: I would probably be upset at either, but I know that's not going to be good enough for you. So if I had to pick one, I would say that I would probably be more upset if she left me for another man, I think. I would be more okay with her becoming a lesbian uh, than I would be her leaving me for another man.
1: Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I feel like I'd be more okay with that.
2: Like, I would understand, listen, if she, you know, if she left, she probably should. But you know then she the, you know then the other person goes to you know like a you know another man and then you question you know what does this person have over me blah 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 you know if someone's just going to 100% up and you know do a 360 um,
1: that's not a 360 you know, if you did a 360 you'd be right back to where you started it's 180
2: 180 360 720 go fuck yourself
1: Look, all I'm pointing out is that I want this show to be factually correct. And a lot of people say, oh, they did a 360. Well, if they did a 360, you'd be right back to where you were in the first place. The correct way to describe it would be if someone did a 180.
2: I mean, I think we are factually correct. I feel like you're over overly being factually correct.
1: Okay, but st- where, where are you right now? If you were to Damn. say, I'm going to go in the other direction, and you did a 360, you would be facing the same way.
2: I mean I feel like we're spending t- you you're right on this. I'm not saying you're you're not right.
1: Then what are we arguing about? Why am I being why are you saying I'm being overly critical when I'm right?
2: Well, I mean but you're just being critical. It's just like let it go. Like it you know, like there's no reason to spend 5 minutes on discussing it.
1: Well, I want this show to be factually correct.
2: Is that the new title? Factually correct?
1: Like because basically we don't get anything right and we're going to start right now with the whole 36180 debate.
2: Then, then you need to answer the question you asked me, and it, that is, are you a good money manager? Yes. And, and in what sense? Because you, you've, you've bought, I mean, I know some things that you've bought that, and that you have that I, I would question if you really should have purchased them.
1: First of all, I know what you're talking about, which is my samurai sword, which is not only awesome for entertainment and self-defense purposes, but was only $60.
2: I mean that's sixty bucks that could have filled up your gas tank. It could have bought groceries.
1: You know what? Actually, I would say I don't know if I'm necessarily a good money manager as much as I am. I'm very cheap.
2: Are you a clearance rat guy? Or are you going to spend uh, thirty bucks to get like a, a you know a new pair of blue jeans? Are you going to go to the clearance rack?
1: No. See, I'm not a clearance rat guy. What I am is I'm the guy that's going to wait until whatever I had previously purchased, whatever I'm replacing, is just basically tattered into shreds. Like if I don't absolutely in my mind say I need this, then I'm not buying it. But when I do See, buy what stuff. People
2: out there need to realize is you have the same wardrobe, the same exact wardrobe. And I guarantee you still have it, even though it's been a little bit since I've seen you that you had when I first met you.
1: I do. I don't think that I've bought a new pair of clothes in years. Because a blue shirt is still a blue shirt. And for me, who works in TV, it doesn't matter what color blue shirt you have. It still looks like a blue shirt. There's no reason to buy another one. I've already got a blue shirt.
2: You can definitely tell pinstripes apart from just a straight jacket.
1: I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out there and say no man should wear pinstripes.
2: Well, that's insane. I think pinstripes add, add a certain level of charisma to a, to a, to an outfit. Not that I've ever worn pinstripes but I have worked with many of men who have worn pinstripes.
1: Did you know that a rooster does not have a penis?
2: (laughs) A rooster? That's the animal
1: of the week is a rooster? You wait for some more rooster facts. A rooster does not have a penis, but their sperm is very hardy, lasting up to two weeks, and it's also seasonal with them producing more at certain times of the year. Wait.
2: How does it come out if it doesn't have a penis?
1: I did not look that far into it. I was at work when I was looking this up. I mean, I wasn't at work. I was doing something else where <laughs> I did not want to fur- further Google rooster penis.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you, half the people who just heard this on the podcast are now Googling rooster penis.
1: Well, it doesn't have one, so you're not going to get any results. The rooster does not have a penis. I don't know what I else it has. I guarantee
2: you, if you were to Google search "rooster penis," it's going to come up with a scientific explanation as to how it still creates sperm, even though it doesn't have. Like, how does it get, you know, uh, the, uh,
1: something pregnant? Well, maybe it's just not technically a penis. Like, maybe to be a penis, you have to have the little mushroom at the end. Maybe theirs <laughs> is more just like a, like oh a straight, like a straight shaft. Do we?
2: Can we stop talking about uh, animal penises?
1: John's Fast Five. Pew 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 pew. John's Fast Five. Pew pew, 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 pew.
2: John's Fast Five. My turn. My turn.
1: In a second. Wait. My, Shh. My. This isn't gonna work while he's my awake. <laughs> oh, wait, you know that, right? Are we moving fast through this episode? Do you have your Fast Five ready?
2: I do have my Fast Five ready.
1: All right, hit it. Hit it. So, so hit it. two penguins uh, were rescued by police
2: in uh, Nottingham, <laughs> England. They were taken from a local zoo back in November and were just rescued on Wednesday. So last Wednesday, uh, which <laughs> it's a whole weird thing. Uh, Because apparently police knew who took them, but they were waiting months for a search warrant. I don't know. Either way, the penguins are safe. But the real question I want to ask you is if you were to break into a zoo, which animal would you take?
1: I would probably – I would actually say that I would probably take the penguins. I mean that seems like a good animal. Maybe an otter. I would also take an otter. I think that would be a good animal to take. One of those meerkats. The meerkats are pretty good. You don't really want to mess with anything bigger than that. I mean, these are wild animals. I feel like a penguin would be rather... Yeah, I would say if I was going to steal my top three animals I would steal from a zoo, penguin would probably be right up at the top. See, the problem is that I think that if we tried to steal an animal from a zoo, both of us would actually end up dying in the moat before we even get to the animal.
2: Oh, yeah. If there's any, like, physical exertion that needs to be done to get into the – like, I was talking about just walking, like, you know, the zookeeper route into the exhibit, not actually, like, having to jump down and climb up.
1: Well, I mean, endurance – I never
2: got picked to do the the rope climb in elementary school gym class.
1: Like, what did you get picked to do in high school – or in elementary school or in middle school. Like what was what was young John Shaw like, you know who we need to do this activity? John. Oh
2: man. I, I you're you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this and it's not going to surprise you, but I was always the base for the wheelbarrow. <laughs> like I was always the guy that held the person's legs and like steered them.
1: Yeah, I mean you couldn't really be the wheelbarrow.
2: <laughs> yeah. There ain't no little kid holding up my little chunky ass.
1: Were you a better crab walker or bear walker?
2: Uh, first off it's bear crawling. Uh, I was a better bear crawler.
1: What's your number four or whatever next number you are on, (laughs) on your fast five. Do you know the song
2: Africa by Toto? (laughs) Yeah. There is an artist, uh, a German artist, Max Seedendorf thing. He took, he, he erected, I can't, well, I just said erected. That's, that's the first mistake here of this whole thing. Um, Anyways, he he put on uh, on an exhibit in the middle of the Namib Desert in Namibia where apparently he created a record player that runs on solar power and he intends for this to stay out there and play Africa uh, forever.
1: That actually sounds like hell.
2: In the article that I did read, uh, he was asked about weather conditions and things like that, uh, but he says that it's just going to have to happen. So I don't know what really that means, but uh, uh, apparently it's playing right now. If you were to go to that specific point in Namibia, you would hear Toto's Africa playing right now.
1: I don't really understand what the point of that is. Like, And, and the weird thing about art is that probably costs like $40 million.
2: It looks pretty badass. It looks like it's expensive. That's for sure.
1: I feel like having that song by Toto, which have you ever seen what Toto looks like? Having that song playing in Africa is like the most disrespectful thing that you could do. Like they have nothing. They're a bunch of green-haired white guys, I believe, from the Midwest singing about Africa when they have probably never been to Africa. And having that song playing in Africa is really kind of stupid.
2: Well, it's the same thing of, of Steve Perry. In that journey song where he says South Detroit. There is no South Detroit. It's Ontario.
1: Ooh. Are people in Detroit upset at Steve Perry about this?
2: I mean, it's 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 a well known thing that if Steve Perry was to walk into Detroit, he would probably get mugged and get the shit kicked out of him.
1: Just because of that.
2: Just because of that. And though I will give him credit, he has gone on record as as to say that he knew it was wrong but it flowed with the song
1: well i mean how is it technically wrong because if you were born and raised in south detroit couldn't you just be in the south part of detroit like he's not technically incorrect
2: there is no south detroit there's east west and north and central there is no south detroit how can there
1: not be a south detroit there has to be some part of detroit that is south
2: it's not it's there, there's a southwest, but there is not a designated south Detroit.
1: This doesn't make any sense to me. Because if there's, there has to be Detroit expands in all four directions, correct? <laughs> it's the Detroit River. There is no south Detroit. But there's a south part of Detroit. If there is some point in Detroit, you could head south and you would still be in Detroit. Wouldn't that be the southern part of Detroit? No. The,
2: geographically, there is no... South Detroit.
1: That makes no sense. There has to be. Is there a North Detroit? If there's a North Detroit, there has to be a South.
2: I I just said there's a Northeast, West, and, and then there's Canada.
1: But this makes no sense to me. There's still a southern part of Detroit. Like, you could somehow go south in Detroit. I don't understand this. I get the idea that there might not be a place that is technically designated as South Detroit, but there is a southern part of Detroit. There has to be.
2: Well, when you find it, let me know
1: it's wherever the southern part of detroit is like if there's like one of those little google maps and there's a place that says detroit right there in downtown there is a place that is south of that correct that is still in detroit
2: no it's west
1: but at some point you do go south
2: (laughs) no not really you go southwest maybe
1: but then there's still south. How is there not any part that is south? There has to be some way to go south. And even if there was nothing but the north part, there would still be the south part of the north part.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> I don't even We're moving on. Everybody's uh... wrong. Listen. I like the city of Detroit. I've been there a couple of times. I was pleasantly surprised, but there is a southern part of every single city in the world.
2: <laughs> I you know I, I don't know what happened or who who you talked to about being factually correct, but uh, it's quite entertaining. I, I I have to
1: admit, I'm fired up about this. There's just no way you can't have a southern part of the city.
2: Yeah, there there is, there is no designated south part of Detroit. There isn't.
1: But there's still a part of the city that is south. Like, just think about if I was to say, like, hey, I'm in Phoenix. There's north. There's a north part of Phoenix, an east part of Phoenix, a west part of Phoenix. And there's just somehow no fucking south part. Like, there's just—we just forgot all about that whole direction and just erased it off the map. Well,
2: it wasn't forgotten. the, the, The city was founded and was built around the downtown area. Which, if you go a block south, literally, of downtown Detroit, it's the river.
1: But that one, then downtown would be the south part.
2: But it's not south, it's downtown.
1: Is there anything north of downtown?
2: Yeah, there's like,
1: I don't know, eight miles. So, the, But this is where I keep getting on to this, is that at some point, when you are in the city of Detroit, you can travel in a southerly direction, can you not?
2: Yes, but that's that's not the basis of this of of, of the statement.
1: Let's move on. <laughs> I tried doing that five minutes ago. Look, uh, did you know that the rooster has a very poor sense of smell and taste, but excellent hearing?
2: T- so, what does it do with its life then?
1: Well, I think it just has sex <laughs> without a penis, which we don't know how that works either. Yeah. That was, <laughs> You're talking about being factually correct? You don't even know how a rooster has sex. I have no idea how a rooster has sex. If anybody knows, let us know. I'm
2: going on record as to say this. If there is a, a person with the title, an official title, a paid position of a rooster sexologist, I will give you
1: $10. Do you know what else to me strikes me as suddenly weird? Isn't a rooster also known as a cock? (laughs) <laughs> Which makes no sense because if it doesn't have a penis, how can it also be a cock? Is there yeah, a difference between a I cock and a you, penis and we don't know about it? Why
2: are badminton things called shuttlecocks?
1: Well, I mean, that's just what they're called. They're not animals. <laughs> so
2: bad bad dad of the week here. and I want to know how you feel about this. Cleveland police made a special visit to this father's house after he posted on Facebook. Uh, him and his wife were out to eat at TJ Fridays with their, uh, their newborn kid. He had eaten some hot wings. And I, <laughs> I don't know why, but his kid was, uh, was fussing. So, <laughs> now that I say this out loud, it kind of sounds creepy, but, uh, uh, he went to, the kid was nibbling on the dad's <laughs> finger. <laughs> oh my God. And, uh, I ended up getting some of that buffalo sauce, and uh, he posted on Facebook, how big of a jackass am I? My toddler just ate buffalo sauce. How bad can it be? Blah, blah, blah. Well, someone reported that to Cleveland police. They went to the guy's house and ended up paying him a nice little visit, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> led me to want to ask you, "What uh, have you ever done anything like that to your kid?
1: I was one time, I was peeing outside in my backyard. And my son, who is two years old, came riding his bike up, and he wrecked his bike right as I was peeing and ended up peeing on his head.
2: (laughs) Uh, You can't edit that out. That's an amazing
1: story. Listen, and if anybody hears this, don't call child services. It was completely like I was literally just peeing in my own backyard which no one could possibly see, so there's no public nudity, and my son just happened to be riding his bike. I didn't see him. He wrecked directly into the stream.
2: <laughs> there's so many questions. Like, First off, why were you paying in your
1: backyard? It seems to be a Vinzant family thing. Like, I thought it was just me because I didn't want to go and flush the toilet and waste the water. And then one day my dad happened to be in town and we were looking at houses and I noticed that he was peeing in the backyard of a house that we were considering buying. (laughs) Uh, Papa Vinzant? Papa Vinzant was just out there taking a whiz while the real estate lady was in there not appreciating it.
2: (laughs) What a badass, man. (laughs) That, uh... (laughs) That's pretty badass. I'm not, I I got nothing. That's,
1: that's awesome. See, I don't understand why somebody would call child services. It's not the kind of thing where like I taped my kid to the wall because he refused to eat green beans. Like they can accidentally well, eat hot sauce. I mean what if he just grabbed the chicken wing while you're not looking and then it happens in an instant? Well, I, I think it, it, a, lo- a large part of it had to do
2: with like this guy posted a narrative. About it, almost joking, and I, I you know, someone must have complained. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, it happens, especially if you're a parent. I mean, you know, I, kids are everywhere. Fuck, they're they're into they. You don't even know, like, why are your hands dirty?
1: Yeah, you. What they, have you been doing? And they they're so deceptively quick, like you can't you can't anticipate them because they're just so little, and then they're just boom. They're quiet. They're basically ninjas. What's your, what's your next Fast Five?
2: So my last one uh, it, it is directed towards you. And uh, uh, Thursday, it's National Compliment Day. And I'm expecting you to say something nice about me on social media.
1: Can it be a backhanded compliment?
2: Nope. It has to be a straight-up compliment because you know what? The couple that created it in 1998 in New Hampshire – they wanted it to be a day where you could where everyone would just be nice to each other.
1: I feel like that's not really working out. Are you ready for the fa- or for the top five?
2: Yeah, let's do it. I'm uh quite
1: excited about this. Okay, so this fast five, which I do a bad job of phrasing these to John, mostly because he doesn't respond to my text messages and then I get annoyed, and so then just give him as little information as possible as a way to pay him back as part of a vicious cycle. <laughs>
2: i've i've gotten so much better
1: you have gotten better i will give you that you've gotten better at it it's Thank not you. it's not good but it's better
2: i i don't know why i mean i get back to you in a in a timely manner it's usually in in, in an hour window
1: well the thing is it's not necessarily the rate of response it's the fact that i know that basically, if you're talking about anybody under the age of forty, the chances that they have seen your text message within five minutes of you sending it are about ninety-five percent.
2: But I also am am in a different, uh, you know, a different thing right now. I'm at home. I don't have my phone on me. If I was at work, sure.
1: I feel like you have more of an excuse if you're at work. You have other things to do. You really don't have anything to do.
2: Well, that's, that's not true. But, uh, anyways,
1: okay. uh, so these are our top, top five five things that you really don't want to get a good deal on. Like you want to pay more for something like this. I'm going to go ahead and start out with my number five, which is, which is fast food. Like I don't want a 10 burgers for a dollar fast food special. That's just going to get you in trouble. Oh,
2: see, I'm, I'm all about it. If, if I'm eating that, then I'm, I'm going all out. I, I want the, the 10 for 10 tacos from Rusty's taco bar.
1: Well, tacos are a little bit different, but like I don't want to go to a place that has all you can eat buffet, many different kinds of food items for 499. I do. I want to live there. You, I actually do know somebody who once went for a lunch buffet and stayed so long they made them pay again for the dinner buffet. Holy
2: shit! Well, that's that's multiple hours. I mean, unless you're unless you're getting there like right at like three fifty nine, but
1: I don't I don't know why you would do that then. No, they were there for quite some time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty. That person's name doesn't start with a C, does it?
1: I believe that it does. The thing is, is that the story was told to me at a time when when I was drinking. So the person that I think it's attributed to may not actually be responsible for it, but I believe it does.
2: Uh, I have tattoos.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you my God. Pay
2: for, you, know, you don't, you don't want to go to a chop shop and ha- you know, pay $60 and get, you know, something that probably should cost two $300, you know, and then it starts to fade or it's poorly done. It's, it's just a bad decision.
1: I know somebody that got a $20 tattoo on their back and was very proud of the $20 back tattoo, and then they showed it to me, and I could see, like, giant blood blisters coming up out of it. Like, it was bubbling. Oh,
2: man, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. I feel sorry for that person. Yeah, it's actually uh, the same
1: person who is at the buffet.
2: <laughs> well, it sounds like that person uh, makes terrible life decisions. They they really
1: need to reevaluate their life. What's what's your number four?
2: Uh, I have financial advisors.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. Like you don't I mean, want the five ninety nine financial advisor.
2: Yeah, you don't. You probably don't want to go by the commercial. You know, 1 800 will get you money. You know, like, (laughs) you probably want to spend a little bit of time and effort, money research, and try to get somebody that isn't going to fuck you over.
1: My number four is a car, but I want to go more on your number four and say also things like a will or any kind of legal services. Uh, I
2: have uh, tools like. You know, uh, screwdriver, uh, miter, saw, you know, any, any anything that you use for home home projects.
1: Yeah, I would say especially a saw. <laughs> well,
2: what kind of saw? Like a handsaw, a table saw,
1: any kind of powered saw. Like you don't want a miter saw or a table saw that like you got this table saw for twenty five dollars and it looks okay. a little rusty. Like you need to pay more for anything <laughs> that could potentially kill you. Uh, and I,
2: I've experienced this, where like you go into like Five Below or like Dollar Tree, you get you know like a screwdriver, and it's made out of the, you know like aluminum, and it fucking bends on the first time you try to you know to screw something in, and it's just it's just not worth it. You spend the things are pretty moderately priced anyways, so I you know just go for quality.
1: My number three is electrical work.
2: That that I'll get back to it. I actually have that on on. It's it's one of my. It's all my list. It's higher up on up. your
1: list? Okay, what's your number – are you on your number three or number two?
2: Uh, number two, which is uh, mattresses.
1: Yeah, that's a good one, especially a used – can you buy a used mattress?
2: <laughs> I, I'm not – I i don't think you can, but, I mean, there's definitely – and mattresses are expensive, but there's such a difference, and it's just, you know, I don't know. Go big or go home on mattresses, I say, so.
1: Who do you think would be a better mattress salesman, me or you?
2: Probably you. I I I, I would get pretty fed up after a while. As where I think you would take advantage of your uh, your you know your salesman mentality and and probably sell the shit out of some mattresses.
1: See, I actually feel like you would be a better mattress salesman more because you look more like a mattress salesman than I do.
2: Well, I mean, I wouldn't have to literally. You know, they wouldn't have to give me a step stool to to get onto the mattresses. I'm tall enough (laughs) just to sit down on them.
1: But you look like a guy who knows a lot about a good mattress. Like, if I was walking into a mattress store, I would probably single you out and be like, that's a man who knows about his mattresses. Not just because he's studied, but also because he has a lot of experience just laying around.
2: (laughs) That's actually not true. But uh, I'll take the compliment as to... As to know that if you were going to buy a mattress, uh, you'd buy one for me, in which I would sell you one that is infested with bed bedbugs.
1: Let's put that up on our Facebook poll of which one of us looks more like a mattress salesman, more like they're <laughs> going to be a trusted mattress salesman, me or you. Okay,
2: that's fair. That's, that's fair. I'll probably beat you three to one.
1: My number two is medical and dental services.
2: Yeah, but I, mean, I feel like with insurance nowadays, if you have insurance, you can pretty much go
1: to whoever you want. Not to try to make this into the Tucson, Phoenix area, Arizona show, but I live in a place where there are numerous people who will go down to Mexico to get medical and dental procedures performed.
2: Wow, really?
1: Yeah, and it is it is significantly cheaper. People will, like, okay, so you can get, let's say, we looked this up the other day, you can get Invisalign in Arizona for about $6,000, you can go down there to Mexico and have it done for about 2000
2: You know, I understand, like, not are paying less, and I don't want to take anything away from, like, a Mexican dentist. You know, maybe there's an
1: American down there that's in Mexico that's just making bank. You know, who knows? Actually, most of them are Americans. They just go over to Mexico and have, like, a practice right across the border, and they do it there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one bit.
1: What's your number one?
2: So my number one is kind of like what you were talking about with electricians, as I have like good labor, like you know, like uh, plumbing, electrical, even like pest control. Like you know, you don't want to you don't want to like have a guy with like you know that offers the services for like ten dollars on pest control. Uh, you know, when all he does is come around and spray some vinegar in the corners. You know what I
1: mean? So mine is kind of like yours. I thought that you were really going to have this on your list. Not that, to my knowledge, at least, either one of us has experience with this. But my number one for things that you should probably pay more for is a prostitute. <laughs> I,
2: I had, I you know, it was it was in my mind, but uh, I I I was staying away from any. I didn't even want to talk about it. But now it's, it's your number one. I guess we have to,
1: the same person that we talked about that paid for multiple buffets in one day and got a really cheap tattoo has also gotten a 25 or $50 prostitute. And I just remember thinking you should have paid, you should have paid more for that. That's
2: (laughs) I, I I think, (laughs) uh, it's a slippery slope to start down on this conversation, but I, I do think the higher the uh, uh, money, probably the uh, the nicer quality you're getting in a prostitute.
1: Okay, so let's just go ahead and have this conversation here, and this will be the last thing. If you were to go down that road, which to my knowledge, again, neither one of us has ever done, if you were going to go down that road, though, what is the least amount of money you would be comfortable paying for a woman of the night?
2: Oh my, I'm not going to answer that. I don't know. I'd have to...
1: Just put out a number. The least amount of money you would be comfortable.
2: $5.
1: God, I was going to go 200
2: I, It all depends on the services and all that other stuff.
1: We're going full service. Jesus.
2: Uh, I don't know. Probably nothing less than a few hundred bucks.
1: Put an exact number on it.
2: 30, 301.
1: That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance... Like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. We love hearing from you guys. You can leave a comment on any of our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also ProfoundlyPointless.com. We've got like a contact form up there. We're going to be bringing back, I think, the mailbag segment next next episode. And also, John Shull has been tasked with finding a guest for next week because he says that he has some Super Bowl connections, So let's all find out how that's going to go together.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.